Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy, and we are through to the Roland Garros final. Who is there? Well, it's not the King of Clay, who will not be winning it for a 14th time because Novak Djokovic, another one of our three, has stopped him in his tracks with the four-set win in the semifinal. Uh, he now has 66% of Nadal's total wins at the French Open. But this one, I would have to say, is the most impressive performance by any of Rafael Nadal's opponents on court Philippe Chatrier of all time. I am willing to make that claim. Joel, uh, would you go there as well with me? I'll go there with you. I mean, that was amazing. Uh, Djokovic himself in his press conference said it was one of the three best matches he'd ever played. Just a spectacular effort to high-quality tennis, drama, everything. People told us that it was too late to do this show when we started it a year ago on the three. They said, it's the end of their careers. Why are you doing it now? It's too late. It's too late. Well, because today, that's why we're doing it. I mean, they their level was astoundingly good. And I think that that third set might be a contender for the best set ever played in a Grand Slam. It was epic. Uh, the quality, the movement, the versatility, the the way the clutch play. I mean, how do we how do we count the ways? I mean, it's just some amazing tennis and how they each the competition at its best. They kept asking questions of each other and they kept raising and raising the level and uh, handed to Novak, of course, most of all. I mean, for coming through that, and we can talk through more parts of the match. So let's uh, let's dig in. Yeah, well, I guess uh, let's go back on our themes. You know, we talk about how Djokovic tries to solve the puzzle and what needs to change in this matchup. And the the stat that, that we all identified as the thing that needed to change was point zero through four shots where Djokovic just got smoked by Nadal in back-to-back matches on clay. Could go further back than that. Um, but we know it happened twice in a row. And he he flipped the script. And he got the better of point zero through four shots. So, you know, how do you, uh, how did you see that happen, Amy, the turnaround that Novak needed to make in that dynamic to play the short points better? Well, it's really interesting when people hear about zero to four, they automatically think that that means that that the person needs to be more aggressive within the first four shots, but it can actually mean the opposite that the person needs to focus, the player needs to focus on not missing, having an ironclad shot tolerance of good quality shots within the first four shots. And there was a report that before the match, Novak was working with a lefty server in practice and working on the return plus one. So that told me that he was looking to extend rallies and he was playing patterns that would get him through that those first four shots. 
Mm-hmm. So that would be, for example, as Novak did at a key stage in the match, we know where the serve is going in the ad court. The whole planet knows where the serve is going in the ad court from Rafa. Novak's got to have the back and return, and he's got to drive it down the line deep and hard to the Dow backhand. Not easy for anyone, but the shot he needs to do with his two-handed backhand, and then not put himself in the give Rafa forehand spot we talked about in the prior show, where Rafa just loves to move to his left. You're not going there, Rafa. You're going to have to hit a backhand now. Yep. And Rafa's ability to hurt you is so less. I also thought from a, from a match flow standpoint, in a certain way, Novak ate, helped win the match in the first set. I mean, yes. he goes down mm-hmm. 5-0, and I, was, I, was, uh, I got distracted from him, but I was going to text you guys and say, oh, it's 2020 all over again. Here's Rafa raging 5-0, but not quite. And again, getting those, those uh, couple of games, three games, and now it's a little tight, not an easy thing. Nadal's got to burn up some more fuel. Novak feels he's Novak said he felt after he lost the first set that he was in the match and he felt the whole time. He didn't feel as steamrolled in the first set this time as he did last year. He felt more in it. He felt he was seeing the ball better, moving better. All these things just felt better. And then he lost the first set. But again, the great, great players. And this is where I so enjoy the three out of five format. They're not going to panic if they lose the first set. And Novak sure didn't. Well, he made Nadal hit hit almost as many backhands for the match that um, then he hit forehands. So the total count um, on ground strokes was 236 forehands to 232 backhands for Rafa Nadal. Um, I mean, that is for someone who wants a forehand and is willing to work very, very hard with their feet to get that forehand and has the edge of designing their entire serving game plan around getting that forehand for a player to make him hit in Novak Djokovic as many backhands essentially than he did forehands is an incredible feat and I've never seen anyone do it quite that well to Rafa Nadal I agree not only that Gil but um it may have had a deleterious effect on the forehand because I thought that the forehand, especially toward the latter part of the match, was short. He was spinning it, but he just was not getting the depth. And um, at the same time, Novak was getting the depth and the angles. And um, Novak really kicked up his serve, uh, the pace on his serve in the latter stages of the match. The first serve, certainly. Yes. Right, Amy. I I would agree with that because I think what... uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We talk so much about tactics and, and patterns and, and go to this one to get to that one. So then it becomes, all right, yeah, this side is weaker. Keep hitting to it. Now, granted, at this level, it takes some really skills to get to it. But it's funny how you hear things about go to the strength to get to the weakness. Go wide this way. Get it that way. Let them have it this way. But no, Novak at certain points was bearing cross-court forehand after cross-court forehand. I mean, you, you tweeted that earlier, Gil. And, and then uh, – and then, and then I think what happens to a player first, you have to you have to use more energy to hit your weaker shot. And even though the Dallas backhand is darn good, it's not as good as his forehand. It's not generating as much traction. And now I got a chance to hit my good one. Haven't hit as many of them. And maybe you go for a little more. You know, and, there's, and I think you're right, Amy, that in Dallas forehand, particularly by the fourth set, you could see he was losing some some zip and some energy, and there was kind of a, a sag in it all. 
Yeah, and I also thought that Rafa was way too predictable on the placement of his second serve. Uh, Tennis Channel showed a graphic, I think it was after the second set or maybe even into the third set. He had not served any to uh, Novak's forehand. Everything had gone either body or backhand. And Novak has a great backhand return. I saw that creature of habit. I mean, just what's this percentage on normally better second serves usually how often does he usually serve second serves to the forehand i'm not see i I, if it's first serves i get that but i mean i know it's maybe it's not a hundred but what's this percentage to use on second serves well on first serves i know it's about 70 30 but i'm i'm in your same boat i actually don't know what it would be on second serves I don't either, but I know for a fact that he has mixed it up more. I mean, sometimes you'll notice yeah. patterns. I wrote about this once, like when the when it's a certain score, like, I don't know, 40-15 or 15-40 or 30-all, he'll, he'll fall into, because of his creature of habit nature, he'll fall into a placement on that score every single time. Um, but I, I was just shocked at his second serve placements this time. I'd like to see sometimes, it'd be interesting to see where the second serve, the, the first serve, yeah, I, I kind of get the 70, 30, 70 to the backhand, 30 to the forehand. The second serve, yeah, you wonder if he, well, so, and that just showed you probably how he felt the whole match that he was, there, there's the game, I don't know if you guys have done this game, it's a game called tug of war, where you're, you're each yeah. trying to get, and, yeah. and so the problem I have with that game is it basically treats every point like it's 15, 30. It's a good game, but it kind of treats every point like it's a very critical point. So there's no 30 love, there's no 40 love. And per that with Nadal, he seemed to then feel that because he probably, I can't afford to, I gotta go every second serve there, 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 instead of trying something just to open the court a little more. Not sure what kind of difference it would have made though. Right, and, and let's also, I think it's worth noting when Novak, or excuse me, when Nadal goes to the forehand on a second, it's generally forehand body. He's not going to try to paint the T like on the ad side. Otherwise, like it's too slow a serve. So it's just going to be a forehand. But I think the serve that he was missing, Amy, and I agree with you that he didn't mix it up enough, was the serve to the forehand body. Any other critiques? I'll I'll give you one other one for Nadal. For me, it was on the other side of the coin on the second serves. Because yes, Nadal only won about 40% of his second serve points. And that was because Novak was sitting on the backhand return and finding the uh, Nadal's backhand on the first shot. But on the second serve return, I didn't think Nadal was taking risks and going after it. And Novak's second serve average speed was 82 miles per hour. You can go wow. after that. That's attackable. Wow. You just didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, that's interesting. So that maybe showed to a, spoke to a certain kind of tightness, a certain tentative. I mean, Nadal going after returns. Yeah, he had a few. Remember, I mean, God, there's an unbelievable backhand return he hit when Novak was serving and volleying on one point from behind the court in the deuce yeah. court. It was just, God, but I think it was about 83 miles an hour, just incredible shot in the Dalhead. But mostly, you're right, mostly he was just kind of like lofting it deep and looking to get the point. But then Novak took the ball and Nadal in his press conference spoke about how um, how Novak uh, Novak was hitting the ball early. You know, play a guy yeah. like he hits the ball early. That's impressive. What about how Novak Djokovic was going to the Nadal backhand, not just the fact that he was going there, but uh, the way he was able to hit his forehand in a way 
that broke the sideline and pulled Nadal out wide, make him hit open stance, make him hit off the court where he needs to, where he feels like he might not recover all the way back to the middle and it's got to be really good uh, or he's got to put a lot of air under it. I think that was very, very key because I'm sure there's been a million opponents who have just gone to the backhand and haven't gotten nearly the effectiveness that Djokovic got from going to the backhand just because of that heavy angled forehand that Djokovic was hitting, which to be honest with you, that's not a shot that comes to mind when I think Novak Djokovic until this match. And now it'll come to mind. I mean, but I, I feel when I think of Novak, I think of angles, you know, I, I, think, I, I think more about Nadal when I, yeah, when I think. Of angles. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like Novak is the guy who is the master of opening up the court and, and putting you on the run. Um, but I, I'm not usually a single point kind of person because I just, I rarely think that a single point means much in a match, especially like this. But I have to say that in that epic third set with the circus shots, and it was like a high wire or a three ring circus uh, on, on every point. Uh, um, remember the tiebreaker, that incredible point that ends with Rafa at the net, and he missed it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The foreign volley. Yes. Well, see, yeah, this is... uh... Novak's up 4-3 in the tiebreak, and it's a great point. And Rafa has a volley. It's so funny. It's so funny. This is the thing. I said this before in tennis. Nobody gets it all. Nobody gets everything. Federer's as close to complete player we've seen, but there's certain things that he doesn't have that he does that he doesn't have too. So Rafa's presented with a volley. Actually, okay, the the cousin is the backhand volley Andy Roddick missed in a Wimbledon final versus Federer. So Rafa has a forehand volley, which is the he's trying to stick volley. He's trying to hit a firm crisp volley, which most Nadal volleys don't go past the service line. Most of his volleys are kind of drop volleys, stop volleys. So here he tries to, to stick a volley like Patrick Rafter or Tim Henman, Stan Smith. Yeah. And he missed it. And his tech, cause his technique not as good. And he was nervous. Yeah. That was, that is. And that, that was for a mini break. And that no, was no. it. Wasn't no, no, it? Was, no, it no, wasn't. Novak was up four, three at that point. Right. Gil? That yeah. Novak was right. up four, three. Who was serving? Yes. Who was I, serving? I don't remember who was serving, but it would have been four all if Rafa wins that. Instead, it was five three. Got so it. That Got it. broke open the, the tie. But with, no. to get back to Novak and the forehand thing, we were talking recently about Novak's forehand and its its whip quality, but probably more in the inside out forehand because it's not as lethal as Rafa's inside out forehand. But today, as you pointed out, Gil, is hitting the outside corner of the ball on the cross court was pretty impressive. You're right. And his ability, but that, and that takes some, some real quality execution against Nadal because you don't have you know, a pretty narrow sliver to get into that backhand area, whether it's returns mm-hmm. or forehands, because you know Nadal is, like we noted, looking to play forehands, right? I mean, you could, what was your research, Amy, more than 80% of the time on that third shot? It's a forehand? 
Yeah, I think Gil brought that up that off of a graphic that we saw on Tennis Channel. But yes. But so so it's just it's just fascinating, and it just showed you what Novak, what he's worked on, and what he know he needed to do, and it came back. Okay, yeah, the guy's backhand's not as good. It's not. It doesn't. What works on hard, and it's different than what Novak does on hard courts, versus Rafa, because on hard courts he goes cross court backhand to the forehand, and forehand inside out. So fascinating patterns. I just thought that Rafa's forehand had, especially in the closing arguments of the match, had a lot of vertical on it and very little horizontal. I mean, a lot of spin. This gets into another thing. Sorry about that, Joel. Did you guys think that Nadal left some forehands down the line on the table, that he didn't go there when it was there? Because I felt, you know, for me personally watching the match, I thought when he went down the line with his forehand, it was extremely effective at a very high rate. But at points in the match, it seemed to be a rarity that that he would opt to uh, to attempt to hit it. And it's a shot that was so important for him to try to uh, change this the dynamic of their of their rallies and to get him out of that kind of uh, backhand to forehand with with Novak's backhand kind of controlling the points. Well, yeah. so ways Go ahead, Joel. So he way, you know, Novak then, then he's moving and he's running to hit his forehand cross court. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think Nadal, I think it was, it was incredibly impressive from Novak. I mean, yeah. right, like he said, one of his three best matches ever and just uh, Nadal and the situation and the clay and all that. And Nadal, remember, Nadal was a little perturbed at the lights being on at night. He was yeah. concerned about that. So maybe he wasn't quite feeling as as what assertive or confident. <laughs> Amy plays the violin. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing the violin. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I just I think Rafa actually nailed it in the in the press conference talking about Novak Djokovic's greatness, and he said you can't make those mistakes against him. That's right. No. Yeah. No. Well, look, uh, well, no, is would be, I would confirm. Yes, Rafa, no. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that was great about this, we had the, we had the crowd and the nearing yeah. curfew and yeah. the government said, okay, you guys can stay. And I think that made that kind of added yet some more to it and some more energy and some more intensity. It's like, oh, right. And I think, wow, how great that we can see this, you know, we were getting live tennis back with fans and energy and, and crowds. And, and I wonder, when you contrast that, let's say with last year's French, I think I'd have to say that helped Novak more as a source for some reason. Not that, not that they're necessarily rooting for him or against him. I don't even know where all that was shaking out. Just the presence of all that and performing and bringing something as opposed to that, that final last year, within about 20 minutes, started to feel pretty desolate for Novak. He probably felt pretty lonely in a way that he never had to in this match. Yeah. Kind of the crowd wins versus Berrettini. You know, at the end of that Berrettini match, he kind of purged those demons. Like, okay, I gotta puke this out before I, before I play Rafa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, I don't know how far ahead we can get with this in terms of of big picture stuff. Um, you know, for me, I guess. Th- is there any like like Nadal in 2021, like it's almost too soon for, for any of that. Right. I mean, none of that speculation, um, would, 
I'm not ready for that. Um, but do, do any of you have any, do either of you have any uh, long-term takeaways from, from this match about what this might mean moving forward in the trajectories of the big picture of their careers? And the answer might be no. I think with Novak, what we see again is this kind of tremendous efficiency of Novak. This has nothing to do with GOAT, but this has to do with accomplishments. And we've, all, we've probably all been thinking for five years that Novak has sufficient amount of mileage, but not too much mileage on his car to keep him going for more majors to come. He's going to have more cracks at majors. And I think with the other two, we're going to feel the sigh with, with Rafa and the French. Oh, yeah, and his chances at the others, they're there technically, but they're not quite as much. Like we will with Roger. Like if Roger loses at, at Wimbledon, it'll be the same kind of thing. The, the, the circus is going to come yes. back really for a year. With Novak, as this showed, as Australia showed, because remember, this is a guy now who on Sunday could be halfway to a calendar slam. That's going to be talked about. I know. And the, the news cycle isn't there yet, but it will be by tomorrow when people start talking about the final. Good so, and Novak, and Novak, Novak is the only of the three who really, who really continues to exist in that conversation. Not even, even if, you know, I know Federer's won a share of Australians and he might win Australia again, but Novak, it's just the nature of his game that he can be in significant contention for all four of them for some time in a way we don't quite think about the other two. As soon as the match en ended, I thought to myself, the, my first thought for Rafa, after I, I was like thinking how great Novak played, my, I then, my thoughts turned to the loser. And I thought it would not surprise me if Rafa came back and won next year. No, not at no. all. No, but see again, so next year it wasn't like yeah. the way that you would feel that if novak lost you'd say yeah <laughs> novak's got a good shot to win wimbledon yeah you know the next no slam. it's a great it's a great point no you're you're yeah i think that's spot so on long-term thing is that the sustained brilliance of novak this guy's got i mean and by the way let's see let's just look at it he's a he's a year younger than Adal but he looked about 10 years younger in that fourth set. Yes. Yes. And, and you guys talked about the news cycle on the calendar slam, which is starting to click in with people. The other one is hypothetically, hypothetically, I, I hate getting ahead of myself, but let's just play a few things out here. Let's say Novak wins the final. He's at 19. Then let's say he wins Wimbledon. He'll probably be the favorite there, right? Then they're all at 20 Definitely. going into the into the US Open. I mean, crazy, right? But Novak, Novak, if he's at 20 and and he's at three, then it's a whole it's just tremendous and and yeah. storyline thing. And Novak trying to back to 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 come back to the US Open where he was uh, defaulted last year. That's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty amazing. And it's it's just it's it's really exciting for the tennis to see these guys get in the thick of it but then also again the sense that for for um for Novak his his fitness his dedication I mean it's really I, I I'm really happy to see that for him I mean I like what I like yes. we like all these guys but to see Novak it's kind of like because in a way he's the Mr. Under the Radar guy the other the other data points that we can look ahead to the final is uh if Novak wins 
he's only the third player to win every major twice. So yeah. behind uh, yep. uh, Rod Laver and Roy Emerson. So that's that's pretty big yet deal. Another, another, yet big another. deal. Yep. Yep. That's a good one, Joel. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, just look, the, the way he took down Nadal, I think this time, as, as we started the show with, and I said, I'm, I'm ready to call it the best performance ever on Chatria. I just think it surpasses the 2016 victory and Soderling's victory. Cause I think it was a better version of Nadal that, that Novak just beat. Oh no, it's um, a, it's a, I'll, I'll reinforce you with that. Hey, okay. the 2016 version was it again, it was a quarter and then Novak didn't win the tournament. And there was, mm-hmm. there was a, Nadal was, had some injuries that year, not to no excuse as such. And even the 09 Soderling, we're gonna look at that. That that's an outlier result. You know what I mean? That's and gonna Nadal, look like, Nadal had injuries there as well. That's true, but also the Soderling. That's that's like how life sometimes happens in the tennis yes. fast lane. Yes. But okay, let's move on to the final. Let's do the final. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas defeated Alexander Zverev in five sets. Strange match. Very human match. Like the the Novak Rafa match was like, what planet are these guys from? The match before it was like, oh, these are earthlings. They're, they're really feeling the pressure out there. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. That's right. Tennis, a very human sport from superhumans to, yeah, and great players nonetheless. Yeah, it started off, uh, I, I covered it. It was like a tale of three different matches. First, it was the Stefano show. Then it was the Alexander show. And then it, and then it almost was. I mean, the big point, the big stage, Titsi Pass serving at First game, love 40, the fifth set, and he escapes, and there he gets on his way. Yeah, that was a good match in its own way. It's really interesting to me that it was a shorter match in duration, um, even though it was longer in sets. And I think that is just uh, speaks to the quality of the Djokovic-Nadal match. But Tsitsipas is bona fide. I mean, he, he's a big star, and... This should be an interesting match. Um, I just wonder if Novak played the final, his final in the semifinal, like he has before when he lost to Stan. Um, I think he's got to be careful. He's got to be careful. Well, with Novak in 2015, when he beat Rafa in the quarters, then he had a two-day semi with Murray. He had a Friday, Saturday semi, so he had... You know, this, this, the whole, so he had to play semi that was, that took two days and then he had to play the final and Stan kind of Soderlinked him in the finals. I mean, that was an unbelievable yeah. effort from Marika that day. This one, it's interesting. Tsitsipas is a uh, younger in his first slam final, first player ever from Greece. Um, he has a lot of ideas. I mean, his game, that's what's neat about his game. I think unlike Zverev, Zverev doesn't have as many ideas. He executes well what he does but Stefanos is uh I don't know it's, it's gonna be interesting to see I, I I think we got to say this is probably one of those ones where the first set is extremely important for the underdog because he needs to feel that he can let it fly and ask his questions and uh yeah I, I think Novak's gonna be a little more okay for this than he was that time in 2015 because even though he's had a late night he's gonna get some um he's gonna get some rest and I think he's gonna be okay Physically, I don't mean it's going to win. Yeah. Uh, has I, I haven't seen a ton of Tsitsipas this tournament, I'll admit, because I've been watching R3. Has he been coming to the net more? 
Well, good amount. A fair okay. amount. So fair that's amount. a difference between him and Novak. Um, Novak comes in when he's sure he can finish, typically, or when he's brought in. And Stefanos looks to come in more. So a little, little bit more aggressively. So that could be um, something to watch. Well, they're very different styles. I mean, I think Tsitsipas is more of a, uh, he, want, he wants to, he's a shot maker becoming a player. I don't think you ever want to be known as a shot maker. You want to be known as a consistent player, but he's, he's looking to create. He wants to get to net. He wants to hit big serves. He wants to hit big forehands. He's not going to just want to hunker down and hit a lot of cross sport and depth. And, and that's part of the reason why his match probably lasted shorter with Zverev too, because he's not going to just uh, be that way. So it's going to be interesting to see how he hatches a plan. Last year, they went five sets, but by the end, he was gassed and got smoked mm -hmm. in the fifth. So this one, this one's going to be interesting. I think though, a lot of it is uh, Novak, I think is going to feel pretty calm about it, having gotten through the, this Rafa test. Yeah, it's a five to two head to head. Um, Tsitsipas won two out of the first three matchups. Um, they they've met on clay a couple times recently, also this year in in Barcelona, right? Barcelona. It's Rome. No, 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 Rome. Sorry, sorry. Um, and Tsitsipas served for the the match in the second set, and Novak broke him, and then ultimately went on to win the match in three. Fantastic match, very competitive, just like last year's RG semi. You know, I actually don't think that for what Novak's trying to do. I don't think it's that different than, than the Rafa matchup. It's just, obviously you're dealing with a righty instead of a lefty, but if you're making Tsitsipas hit backhands and you're staying away from his big forehand, well, you have a, a great chance to win that match if you can do that consistently. Yeah, but it is a righty. So it means Novak can hit his backhand cross court to a backhand. Right. Not the, the, the lethal qualities of Tsitsipas are different than Rafa it's just a very different matchup. Well, the uh, it's all it's all different directionally, right? And like how the puzzle pieces fit together. But I think it's similar when it comes to if you do a breakdown of like what's so dangerous about Stefano Tsitsipas on a clay court, it's it's similar attributes when it comes to just well, if the forehand is short in the court, you know you're really in trouble against him in a big way. So I think there's going to be a lot on uh, on on Novak's return. I think he's going to be trying to get it to the uh, Stefano Tsitsipas backhand. All right, we will, of course, have a episode of three, ending our Roland Garros coverage, which has been so fun, going every single round and recapping and previewing, and it's just been a delight. And thank you for all of you guys who have, um, and I'm sure I'll thank you again next time, but who have stayed with us and watched us round by round. And what a treat we got today. Above all, the result and, and the accomplishment for Djokovic, just an incredible tennis match and just something to behold and appreciate and a match that that we won't soon forget. So that'll do it for this episode of three. Make sure uh, or remember we're available on all podcast platforms. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Like and comment on YouTube. And we'll see you next time on the next episode of three.